Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Minister to Children, Roger Ellis, with this week's sermon. It was a moonless, crisp night. Star sky, the stars in the sky, it was like you could reach out and touch them. But he wasn't paying attention to any of that. He'd been in his home most of the day, and he was wrestling with a whole lot. He had a lot of frustration that had built up inside him. It, it wasn't anything new. He'd been dealing with this frustration for a while, but he noticed today that this had kind of started turning into anger. There was a certain amount of bitterness in him. And, and he knew it was wrong. He knew he shouldn't, but just being honest, that was where he was at. So he throws on a coat and he just goes for a walk out in the cold. And it was, he was walking down the path. He just kept asking the same question. What's going on here? Why is this happening? What's happening? What's happening next? What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? Can I just get some answers? That's what I want. It was at that time God said, look up. No, I mean it. Look up. Look up at the stars. Go ahead, Abram. Count them. Can you count them? <laughs> Abram at this point was pretty sure he should have just kept his mouth shut, but it was too late. He was into it now. So he looks up at the starry, starry night, and he knows it's a rhetorical question. He knows he's not supposed to start counting the stars. And then God says, hey, Abram, here's the plan. I'm going to make your family greater than all the stars in the sky. Your family is going to be bigger and greater than all the stars that you can't count. Abram, against his better judgment, <laughs> couldn't keep his mouth shut. And he says, God, do you like, have any idea at all how old I am? Do you, are you like paying attention? Like, I don't have any kids at all. And I'm, I'm an old man. Have you seen my wife? Do you know how old she is? And then God gives him that loving sarcasm that only God can give and says, yeah, Abraham, I, I kind of got an idea that you don't have kids. You've been You've both been praying about it for years. 
And yeah, I got a basic general gist of the idea of how old you are. Abraham, did it ever occur to you that that's a part of the deal? That that's a part of the plan? That if you were young and had other kids and I told you that your family was going to be greater than all the stars in the universe, that's not that big of a deal. But because you don't have any kids, and yes, Abraham, you are an old man. That's what's so cool about the whole plan. So now I have a question for you, Abraham. You believe? Do you believe that I can do what I just promised you I was going to do? Do you believe I will do what I just promised you? Do you believe in who I am? And then, like a ton of bricks, it all hits Abraham square in the face. And he falls to his knees and he lifts up his hands and he says, Amin. Amin, I believe. Yes, I, I believe in your promise. I believe you can do what you say. I'm pretty sure I believe you will do. And Lord, I fully believe in who you are. Amen. And with tears streaming down his face, he just sits there in the dark, looking at the starry, starry night, wondering, what did I just get myself into? It's about a thousand years later. It's another starry, starry night, only this one kind of humid, kind of Texas in July, kind of hot. And he can't sleep. Now, part of it is in those days uh, during the springtime like it was, the king's job was to muster up the army and go out on maneuvers and hang out with all the guys telling stories around the campfires and get some military campaigns going. But he wasn't feeling it this year. Kind of been there, done that, not really sure. No, I think I'm going to stay in this year. Guys, you go on by yourself. And he sends his armies out to go do the army thing, and he stays home. Truth was, he was probably feeling his age a little bit. He'd been, he noticed that last time he was out, he was kind of checking out gold chains and convertibles and stuff like that, and he was starting to think, maybe I'm getting a little old for this. So he goes out onto the balcony to try to catch a cool breeze that might help him get back to sleep. And he sees her and he's mesmerized. He is instantly captivated. And he says, I know, I know, I got this. So he sends his servant down to go get her and bring her back. And thus starts 
the spiral into sin. Starts with lust, jumps headlong into adultery, and then ends up in a full premeditated slaughter of her husband. And probably the worst part was he felt he deserved it. He felt that he had the right to do it. He's king after all. Kings get to do what kings want to do. And if I want to, then I can. I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And, and that made logical sense to him. Until the prophet Nathan. Prophet Nathan shows up in a huge act of courage, a monstrous act of courage, looks at the king of Israel right in the eye and says, you are that man. You're that guy. King David knew exactly what he was talking about and he got hit by his own ton of bricks. And he falls to the floor and he looks up into the starry, starry night and he goes, what have I done? There's no way out of this. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can be that's going to fix this one. I need you, God. And he cries out to God. And he lifts up his hands and he says, Amen. Amen. I want you to join me now in Romans 4. Okay? Now, here's the deal on Romans 4. Everybody's got to go to Romans 4. If you got a phone, load it up. If you got a tablet, it's time to use it. If you love the old paper and print thing, it's a good time. Romans 4, you know? New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans. Romans 4, get there. You're going to need it. If you need to borrow a Bible, there's usually one in the back of the racks. If, if you uh, can't find one in the back of the racks and there's somebody down the road that looks like a nice person, just scooch over to them and say, can I read with you? And they'll say, okay. Paul has been teaching us about this by faith thing. Uh, Romans 1, 2, and 3 is all about this faith thing. It is by faith you are saved, not by your works. And Paul has laid it out. It's for um, Gentiles, non-Jewish people. It's for Jewish people. It's almost as if in 1, 2, and 3, he said, everybody take in a deep breath. Okay, if you've got air in your lungs, this is for you. You are a sinner. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Got it? Okay. It's by faith you are saved. And as he's laying out this argument, because he's a, he's a Pharisee, you see. Pharisee, you see? Yeah, he's a Pharisee, you see. Now, real quick, here's how it works. In the day, there were two groups of people. There were more groups of people. 
but there are two basic groups of people who are pushing the government along, pushing the temple along. It's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the best way to kind of think of them is as the Republicans and the Democrats, because they were very similar in a lot of ways. They were all there for the same purpose, keeping people informed of the law, helping people follow the law, helping people do the law, but they didn't get along. They argued all the time about, you can't say there's angels. Yes, I can, there's angels. And then they would have like fist fights out behind the temple about whether there were angels or not. Paul was a Pharisee, so he knew his stuff. He knew what he was talking about. Now, here's the problem Paul had was he used to be a Pharisee, but he got kicked out of the Pharisee group because he decides to go to Damascus and runs into this guy named Jesus. And Jesus has this way of changing people's lives when you run into him. And so Paul kind of returned his Pharisee card and took up the challenge of helping people understand Jesus's plan, God's plan for us. So as Paul is writing Romans 1 and Romans 2 and Romans 3, he's already thinking in the back of his head, oh man, I'm going to catch it on this one. If they'd had emails in the day, they would be loading up on the emails and he would, oh, it was going to be a mess. So what Paul does is he starts thinking in his head, well, when I was one of them, I would have argued about this. I would have started this, I would have said, how can you do? So he starts answering their questions that they haven't asked yet. Welcome to Romans 4, okay? So in Romans 4, Paul answers, begins answering the questions. And the first, well, we'll figure out the first question here in a minute. Now, here's how this is going to work. Everybody go to Romans 4. Uh, we're going to start in 4.1. There is going to be no scripture on the screen. I just didn't have time to do it, okay? We're all going to read Romans 4, 1 through 3. Yeah, I know. A bunch of you girl group leaders are going, but wait a minute, it's all different translations. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> so if you have kind of one of those translations that a lot of people don't use, read louder. Just read really loud. Nobody reading, no mumbling in this thing, man. We're going to be reading God's word. We're going to be loud and proud about it. Got it? Okay. We're going to start. I'll get you started, and you're going to read Romans 1 through 3. Got it? Here we go. What then shall we... Good job, boys and girls. You sounded like a bunch of second graders at recess. It was great. That was beautiful. The first argument is, well, what about Abraham? We're children of Abraham. Abraham is our, you know, he's like our father, Father Abraham, and we're like a lot of his kids. We'll sing it in a minute. Don't get started yet. You're not going to say that Abraham wasn't saved. He was an obedient man. 
He loved God. He started the Jewish faith. There were no Jewish faith people before Abraham. You're not going to. What did he say? Yep, you're right. Abraham was saved by his faith too. It was credited to him as righteousness. It was when Abraham said, Amin, I believe. I believe. I believe in your plan. I believe that you will do it. I believe in you. Amin. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, here comes the problem. Another problem, as if we didn't have enough. Righteousness. It's a really cool churchy word that half of us just love and we don't know why and the other half skip over because we're not sure what it is. Righteousness. When I was a kid growing up, I thought righteousness was just good stuff. That's good stuff. It's by your good stuff. Well, Paul's already told us that's not it. Righteousness is what makes the relationship right what makes the relationship right. It's a relationship word. When you have a relationship with a brother or a sister or a spouse and you know that it's not right and you go to them and say, it doesn't feel right. Something feels wrong. And you have that nice level five conversation and at the end you work through all the hard stuff and then you go, that was righteousness. It made the relationship right. Now, next argument that the people bring up, uh, you're not going to bring up King David, are you? Uh, Abraham, I'm not so sure about. Don't do the King David thing. Because you see, King David was the king of all kings. He is still considered by most, to be the greatest king Israel ever had. Uh, when we were in Israel, they drove us by the King David Hotel. We didn't get to stay there. That's for presidents and ambassadors and important people. We stayed at the, uh, like, Motel 6 down the road. But King David, you put King David's name on something, that speaks. King David was considered and still is by most people, the king of the golden age of kings. Code word, don't mess with my King David. Hands off my King David. Bad enough you drag Abraham into this. Don't be going after my King David. Paul, not knowing to win, keep his mouth shut. We are now going to read verse 6, still in chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. Okay, hope you didn't close your Bibles. Not done yet. I'll get you started. David says the same thing when, a little louder. Chacha is so proud of you guys. The man rocks it. Now, 
Here's what's interesting about that verse you just read. King David uh, was a great king. We just talked about that. King David was a great warrior. Yes, he was. King David was an amazing poet and songwriter. He wrote a lot of the parts in the book of Psalms. Not all of them, but a lot of them. That is lifted from Psalm 32. Now let's just think about that for a minute. It is lifted from Psalm 32 where King David is talking about the sin that he had with Bathsheba where he slaughters his, her husband. Talk about Taylor Swift writing songs. Come on. Instead of just sweeping it under the table and saying it's not that big of a deal. Oh, everybody does it. Don't worry about it. No, he writes a song about it and puts it on his next album. That's Psalm 32. And what does he say? Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Paul goes, yep, King David too. King David realized that it wasn't because of anything good he did. It wasn't because he was such a great king. No, it was because of God he even got the chance to do it. It was God forgiving his sins that made it all come together. It was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him that fixed the relationship with him and God. Because if you make the argument and you know the story of King Saul, King Saul did a lot of bad things too. King David on the list of kings was not the worst king in the universe. But he knew that it was his sin that separated him and that he needed the God of the universe that put the stars in the sky to forgive it. He couldn't be good enough. He couldn't be nice enough. He could not say sorry loud enough to fix his sin. It was because of the God of the universe. And it was credited to him as righteousness. So, here's our problem again. More problems. So what do we do? It, if you'll read verse 24, uh, if you want to, you can slide over. I want to read this one because I really dig this verse better. We're going to go to 424. As a matter of fact, it was on the screen earlier. Here we go. Starting in 23. The words, quote unquote, it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him and are raised in Jesus our Lord from the dead. It is credited to us as righteousness is for us too. It's our statement of faith. It's when we share our faith, when we state our faith, that God says, and that's credited to you as righteousness. It makes our relationship right. So, if that's true, we probably should chat about faith for a little bit if it's what's going to be credited to us as righteousness. Um, I, I gotta go grab something. Uh, while I'm gone, transitions are king, ready? Father Abraham had many sons, come on. Many sons had 
Okay, good. Thank you. By the way, I hope was that the, like the was that like the choir section over here? Was that the, yeah yeah choir section? My word! If you're not, Warren's going to be over here taking names. He's going to be taking. Okay, let's do a faith check now. If faith is what is credited to us as righteousness, if that's what God's looking for us, then we should be fairly good at wanting to know, well, then what grows my faith? And really, that's the first question. The first question is, is your faith where it was six months ago? Is your faith where it was a year ago? Is your faith where it was if you first named Jesus as your Savior? What's your faith doing? Is it going up to the right? Is it doing the stock market thing where it's on the corner? How's your faith? We should be able to be okay with that. I know it seems like an awkward, strange conversation. Hey, how's your faith? How's your faith going? But it's a conversation we need to have because evidently it's pretty important. Our mission statement around here is guiding people of all generations. guiding people of all generations and backgrounds into a thriving relationship with Christ. You can circle the word thriving, pull it out, and put in the word faith. Guiding people of all generations and background into a growing faith in Christ. Because that's what it means. Show me a person who's thriving, I'll show you a person whose faith is growing. Show me a person who is not thro thriving, that's hard to say, that's not thriving, and I'll show you a person whose faith is not growing. Okay, I heard it from over here, and you're absolutely right. You go, but wait a minute, it's not about works. We just learned that. You're exactly right. It's not about works. This isn't, I'm going to do all these great faith things, and then God will love me. That is not this. This is... God loves me so much. I want to grow my faith. I want to be all in on this deal. I want God to know that I am sold out, crazy, stupid, fall down in love with his plan and what he's doing in my life. So our acts, these things we're going to talk about, are a response to God's love for us. They do not create God's love for us. God cannot love you more than he loves you. He cannot. If you think at the end of your life, God's going to have this tally sheet and go, well, he did more good things than he did bad things. Good enough, boy, come on with me. That ain't happening. God loves you as much as he can love you. You do the amen, I'm in, I fully believe, you're going. Now the question is, then what? You grow your faith. You put yourself in positions to take risks to grow your faith. That's what we're talking about here. Our church is designed completely around helping people grow their faith. It's what we do. It's what any church should be doing. And I'm not bad-mouthing any other churches. I'm just saying that's what Southcliffe we do. We say it in our mission statement. Growing thriving relationship in Christ. The question is, how's your faith thriving? How are you doing? 
So we're going to talk about some ways that you can check it. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, of the four things, one of them uh, we're kind of doing right now, it's worship. Worship is one of the four major things we do. Worship is anything that you do that shows God his worth. Do you hear it? Worship, worth. Those words are close together for a reason. So when we come here and we sing songs and we sing songs about how great our God is, that can be worship. If we come here and sit in our seat and don't even think about it, use it for some other time, that's not worship. But worship can also be anything you do in your life. Anything you do in your life that shows God his worth. You wake up on a Tuesday morning and you have a time with God and you open up your Bible and you start reading some story. You're expressing God's, that's worship. So worship is something that is a part of us. My question is, how are you exercising it? Okay. All right. Worship. Number two, uh, we call it grow. Grow means, uh, okay, sometimes we, we abbreviate just a bit too much. This should say, growing your faith. That's what, this, that's what this part is about. Growing your faith. So if you are in a grow group, the actual name is growing your faith group. That's what it is. Uh, that's what it should be. Uh, statistics tell us, and you know me, I love numbers. Um, statistics tell us, that there's about 200-ish of average attenders at Southcliff that are not in a grow group. Now you might say, well, 200 out of a whole group. That's 200 people that are not taking advantage of one of the best ways to grow your faith there is. Have you ever thought about this question? And I don't have time for this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway, because I love it. If you were going to do church the way you wanted to do church and you'd never seen church being done, how would your church be different than what we do? Think about it. Kind of a fun question. How would you do church different than the way every other church does church? Here's one I would do. I would get rid of the pews. I would just, un you're sitting here for, what is it, probably an hour and a half by the time I'm done. You're sitting here staring at the backs of other people's heads. That is so unchurch. Grow groups are how churches should happen. Uh, I love my grow group. I mean, I really do. I love my grow group. Um, we, we sit in our living room. We have it at our house. We sit in our living room. We see everybody face to face. There's none of this sitting in rows thing. And everybody just kind of unloads what God's doing in their life. And for like an, two hours, we get to just sit and be a part of the amazing thing that God's doing in people's lives. We've had people go through amazingly difficult health situations. And we got to see God bring them through the other side. We have a couple now that's dealing with adoption and babies and that whole thing. And we get to be a part of that and watch the miracle that God's doing in the middle of that one. 
We've had weddings. We've had marriages in trouble. We've had the whole thing. And I've loved every minute of it because it's God growing my faith. That's what grow groups are about. They're growing your faith. If you're not in a grow group, would you get in one so I don't have to bring it up next time I'm here? Just try it. It's a risk. Yeah, I know it's a risk, but I'm an introvert. Yeah, so am I. Okay, I'm not, but you get my point. Try one out. If it doesn't work, come see me. I will find a... Let's start a group of introverts who just sit in a circle, don't really look at each other, pray for each other. I'm okay with that. Grow groups. Serving. Serving is a great opportunity to get free labor out of a group of people and make them feel guilty if they don't do it. That is the definition of serving. Serving is a great risk where you get to take a risk and be a part of God's faith growing. It's what you do. I'm going to go take how God's wired me up and I'm going to use it for helping other people grow in their faith. And while that's going on, I'm growing in my faith too. And if you don't believe me, come check out children's ministries. Come try out student ministries. There are ministries out there where it is really happening. Is it risky? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's worth it. It grows your faith. And that's what we're here for. Sharing. The whole share ministry is built around you taking your belief in what God's done, your amen, and you take your amen on the road and you go and you share it with somebody else. Terrifying terrifying, and some of the best stuff you'll ever do. Should you be in a ministry? Oh, yeah, you should be in a ministry where they know you and you know them. Should you be serving and sharing? Yes, you should. Should you be in a grow group? I think I've yelled enough about that. Yes, you should. All right. One more. Haven't pulled this one out for a while. The Thrive Pathway. Thrive Pathway is a thing we developed around here. And what it really means is growing your faith pathway. Okay? Because Thrive means growing your faith. See how I did that? Wove it right in. You didn't even see it coming. Here's how it works. There are 72 cool little things that start with, oh, by the way, you're doing number one. Number one is attend a worship service. You're here. Check. And then you just read down the list until you hit like two or three that you haven't done. And then you pick one. And then you pick one and you do one. You go, that's kind of crazy risky. Yeah, grows your faith. And you just keep going. What do you do when you're done with that one? Go down another three, find another one, do the next one. But if I do that, I'll be doing stuff all the time. See how it works? But I don't have time with my schedule. Then you need to get some stuff out of your schedule. If you don't have time to grow your faith, you're doing too much stupid stuff. <gasps> I said a bad word. Sorry, kids. I said the S word. My bad. But come on. Let's start growing our faith. Some of you guys have been at this for a real long time, and you go, oh, I've been there, done that. Yeah, that's what King David said. Okay? You never outgrow your ability to grow your faith. It's time to get busy and get it done. Start growing your faith. Um, if you need one of these, 
Uh, they're at the information. They're on all the sides. You can come see me in the corner over there. Not enough people came and saw me first time. I was feeling kind of sad. Okay, come on over. I'll show you how it works. You can also go online, southcliff.com. Slide down till there's the little, if, for you tech people, slide down till you see the little Thrive Pathway button. Hit it, and there's videos, and there's cute little, and you can click, and there's websites, and there's pages. You will be thrilled. It is very technically advanced. But the important part is do it. Okay. Now, where we all started this with is the Amin. The Amin, which means I believe, I'm in. It does you no good to start through the pathway. It does you no good to, to do any of that until you Amin. I believe, God, I'm in this thing. I'm going with you. Do you have to know every answer in the world? No, you're not supposed to. Nobody does. Okay, Dr. Marr, yeah, but nobody else. it may be time for you. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't have time. I'm going to just give me a minute for this story because I love this story. So um, I was doing marriage counseling and this couple came in because they were having problems in their marriage, thus the reason for marriage counseling. And we were just kind of chatting through and I knew this couple really good. I loved them. I loved them no end. They were amazing. And um, they were talking and in the middle of the conversation, they just said, well, you know, no, we never really did get married. And I said, what? Good counselors don't do that. Good counselors say, can you talk to me a little more about that? I am not a good counselor. I go, what? And he goes, no. I said, you've got seven kids. What do you mean? How long have you been together? And they said, mm, about 15 years. I said, 15 years and you've not gotten married. And he said, well, she never really seemed like she wanted to. And I look over at her and she's just got tears pouring down her face. I found out later is because she said, oh, you've ruined it now. We're in big trouble. And I said, hmm, I'm not really good at this, but I think you're wrong. I think it is important to her. And he looks at her and he goes, is that important to you? And she goes, Tears. Coolest thing in the world. Slides out of his chair onto the floor, grabs onto her knees and says, will you marry me? And she goes, and I got to do the wedding. I got to do the wedding. It was like so cool. By the way, they're still married and doing well. Uh, I better check before I say that. I think they're still doing well. And so the family, the kids, their oldest kid, which I think he was like 14 at the time, um, got to be uh, the best man at the wedding. And when it came time for the uh, toast, he goes, Mom and Dad, about time. <laughs> now, here's the deal. There are some of us sitting here who have been sitting around, and God is sitting there with tears in his eyes waiting for you to say, are you ready? Do you really want to do? And he's going to go, yeah, let's do this. He's waiting for you to do it. Ask the question. Go, Amin. Get in it. He's just waiting for you. Last week, we had a bunch of baptisms from folks who had Amin, I believe, and then they did the wedding ceremony, baptism, and now they are in full-blown growing their faith mode. 
Some of us need to fire that back up and get it going. Some of us need to come forward and I mean, God, I'm in, let's go. If you want to talk about that, I'm going to be out at the uh, connection corner over there. Come talk to me. Even if you're not, come talk to me. I like talking to people. I got nowhere to be. Okay, come talk to me. But if you are and you want to know more about what that looks like, or what that's like, do you have to have all the answers? No. Do you have to have it all figured out? No. Do you need to say, God, I'm in? I mean, yes. It is by your faith. It's credited to you as righteousness. It fixes the relationship. Okay, enough. Um, find something and just do it, okay? It's time for us to start growing our faith, and it's credited to us as righteousness. God, can you imagine what this church would be like if everybody here was using their talents and serving and in a grow group and going through and just saying, God, I'm all in? This church would rip a map apart. It would tear a hole in Fort Worth so big that, no, let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for people like Abraham and David who were courageous enough to have their story written down so we could read it. That, that, made the relationship with you the most important part of their life, even when they messed it up. Lord, we want to grow in you. We want to have our faith be credited to us as righteousness that fixes our relationship and gets our relationship growing with you. Thank you, Lord. Everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.